Well, welcome to our second season of Knowledge Casts. If you're a regular listener, we're certainly glad to have you back. If you're a first-time listener, we hope you enjoy today's podcast, and we'll come back and join us next week. We have a great list of guests this season, and you can read about them by going to jackwwilliams.com and scroll down to the podcast section. Well, today's guest is Charles Smithgall III. Charles is a graduate of Georgia Tech, and after his time at Tech, he attended Harvard University's Program for Management Development, and he actually got started uh, his career in the construction industry before following his his father's footsteps into media. And then later, Charles became the largest Aaron's franchisee owner with over 130 stores. So welcome to KnowledgeCast, Charles. Thank you, Jack. I'm glad to be here. Well, Charles, your dad was a very successful pioneer of media in Georgia. Tell us a little bit about his story. Well, dad went to Georgia Tech and he he couldn't pay his tuition his second year. So the Dean of Students, George Griffin, loaned him the money to pay his tuition and got him a job at WGST, a radio station that was owned by Georgia Tech to pay him back. And dad, his senior year became the morning man on uh, WSB and Burt Parks, the Miss America, Burt Parks flunked out of Emory and he became the afternoon man. And my mom graduated from Georgia and she became the copywriter. So the three of them worked there. And then dad, after graduation, got a call from WSB, the dominant radio station in Atlanta, and he went to work there and uh, and uh, really became well known because there were only three radio stations in Atlanta. And he um, got a call from WAGA uh, about going to work for them, and uh, which was owned by Stora Broadcasting. And when George Stora called him and wanted him to go to work, he said, well, I'm at the Superior Radio Station. Why would I come there? And George said, well, I'll make you the general manager. So he did. And then dad got tired of traveling. He ultimately became president of Store Broadcasting, got tired of traveling because we young kids had come along, there were four of us. And so he um, quit and went to uh, Gainesville, Georgia, and founded uh, a radio station. There were none there, and a newspaper, a daily newspaper, and was deep in debt and finally. Finally worked his way um, up to um, where he could pay it back. So that was his. And then he went on from there and acquired other media properties and then got in the cable TV business. Let me ask you, what did, uh, that's that's quite a story. What did you learn from your dad that helped you in your business career? Don't quit. Don't ever quit. Don't give up because usually when you're, in the times of adversity, that's when you really learn something. And if you just keep pushing, uh, pushing that flywheel, you can push right through it. Well, that's a great lesson. Well, you uh, you had the opportunity to to, to uh, attend Harvard's advanced program there in management development. I'm sure that was uh, quite an experience. What were some of your key takeaways from that uh, that program? You know, how did it help you? Well, I was really fortunate uh, in that the uh, director of admissions at the time um, 
recruited the absolute top uh, professors in the Harvard Business School to to teach my particular class. And boy, did we have the good ones. Um, one of them was a fellow named Ted Levitt, who wrote Marketing Myopia. And, and one of the great things about going back to school and the case study method was they were real live cases. And uh, they were, uh, I'd already been out working for, uh, already been to, through uh, the military and Korea and Vietnam and then uh, worked for in the construction business for five years. So I, I really, uh, it was the first time I really went to school and felt like I learned something because I was um, talk, uh, talking about real life things that happened. In fact, one of the cases uh, was about uh, uh, Vlasic pickles, and I'd built three plants for them when I was in the construction business. Another one was about uh, uh, about Marriott, and I'd built a hotel for them at Hilton Head, and just different things like that that really made it meaningful. Well, you know, the case studies are just a great way to to really apply what you learn because that's you're you're dealing with real life situations rather than hypotheticals. Um, well, you, you mentioned about being in the construction business, and then you later followed your dad into the media industry. What what prompted that move, and, and how did you get started? Well, I, my, I was with uh, Bob Holder and the Holder Construction Company, and they were, their revenue was $11 million when uh, the year I joined them in 1970, and it's now $6.8 eight. And uh, and uh, in 1975, I, I wanted to go to back to this. I had a chance to go back to HBS, and Bob didn't want me to leave, so I, I resigned. And uh, <clears throat> and after I finished the program, I, I said, "Well, I went to Dad, whom I thought would hire me, and said, well, 'Well, I've got this.'" you know, all this education, I'm ready to go to work. And he said, well, I really don't have anything for you to do. I've got all these little businesses and I've got a manager for each one of them. Why don't you find something? And uh, maybe I'll go in with you. Well, I ended up going to the cable TV convention at the time was, was in New Orleans. And there was Ted Turner who had just bought the Braves and had a young man named Terry McGurk who had just graduated from Middleburg working for him. And, and, uh, and they didn't know anybody there and I didn't know anybody. And so I just hung out with them and Ted said, Charles, you ought to go get the cable TV franchise in Chattanooga. It's a big baseball team because a uh, town, they have the Chattanooga lookout and I'll pipe the, the Braves up there and you can, you can show them to your audience. So um, I said, well, I don't know anything about cable and I don't have any money. He said, Charles, I've, I've got a, uh, I own two radio stations in Chattanooga. I'll get, I, I know the mayor. And so anyway, I ended up winning the cable TV franchise in Chattanooga. So dad uh, came in with me and used his, he already had a cable system in Rome, Georgia. And he put that up as collateral for me to borrow the money from uh, uh, American National Bank, which was then bought by trust company. And so that's how I got started in it. Well, that's that's quite a story. And, yeah, and then we ended up 
uh, 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 I wanted to do Nashville after that. And dad didn't want to, cause he was scared. I would break him and, you know, it was too much leverage. And so I got disenchanted. And so I quit and, uh, went to work for Turner broadcasting and, and, uh, and, it was at the time Ted was just putting WTBS on a satellite. And, and so I was there from when we founded CNN and we, we had just a great group of young people. And, and it was like, you know, the commandos. And then in uh, 82, I had a chance to buy an AM radio station in Atlanta. So I left Turner broadcasting and I'd, made enough money and sold my stock to put the down payment on it. And then, then ultimately bought an FM and operated them for like 15 years. And guy came along and wanted to buy them. So I sold them. And, uh, that's when I had the, the, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I got a call from my college roommate, all named Johnny Williams, John Y. Williams, who had a, um, venture capital fund called equity south and he said and he had taken aaron's public when he was with bear stern and and i'm i'm sorry robinson humphrey company and then did the secondary offering he said you ought to open one of these aaron stores they're franchising them and i said well i don't know anything about it he said come over here and i'll tell you about it so i went and had lunch with him he said, you really ought to do this. And I said, well, why? And he said, well, you you grew up in a small town. You would understand these people because it's a blue-collar business. And I said, well, yeah, but what, why do you really think I would be? He said, well, it's a great business for somebody that's not very smart but has a lot of energy. <laughs> and so uh, with that, I opened the first store up in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and I was so scared of losing my money that I moved up there and left my kids. And, but, you know, my wife was a single parent for about three years till I, I lived in a little uh, extended stay motel. And, um, uh, and uh, I got it up to three stores after three years and got enough where I could hire a manager. And so, and we just, we uh, took the cash flow off of that and, opened all the rest of them. So it worked, turned out to be, uh, luck, like most of the great things in my life. Well, you, you transitioned right into one of the questions I had down the road talking about errands. And I have to tell a quick story. Uh, I had followed you, uh, without you knowing it, I, I've, I've kind of been intrigued by you, uh, for a long time and I wanted to, to meet you and I never could figure out how to do that. And, uh, I had an opportunity to speak at a couple of the regional Aaron conferences and the president at that time asked me to speak at the conference, the uh, national conference in Miami. And uh, I'll never forget Jim Kelly was the feature speaker. He was the Buffalo Bills quarterback that had gone to four Super Bowls and he'd been named man of the year because of the work he'd done with the, his foundation on his son. And, and I was speaking before him and I, trying to think of some way to loosen up the audience. And I said, you know, this is pretty hard knowing that you got a guy that's played in four consecutive Super Bowls, all, all pro NFL player, NFL man of the year, but, but you're not getting chopped liver. You know, in me, I said, I was second team all County in high school, but it was a really big County. And uh, just trying to break them up a little bit. 
and I look out there when I'm talking and, and you're sitting on the second row. I had no idea that you were, you know, involved with errands at that particular time. So it was kind of a roundabout way of uh, yeah. eventually meeting you. Um, oh, I remember and, that. Yeah. Your son, uh, if, I, if I believe I'm correct, followed you uh, into your business. Is that right? He did. He, he um, went to UVA and worked in uh, finance for a couple of years in Atlanta, then a couple of years in New York, and then uh, ended up um, joining my company. Then he got accepted to Harvard Business School, so he left and came back and, um, and joined us. But he worked from a delivery driver all the, all the way through the ranks and then took it over, and his um, – that, that, that when 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 we transitioned, uh, he took over as CEO, and I moved to Mexico to get for a year just to get out of his hair. And um, he did a tremendous job. Uh, and um, then uh, four years later, Aaron's came to him and wanted to buy it. And he said it wasn't for sale, and the CEO said, "Yeah, but you don't understand. We we want to buy it." He said, "All right." Well, here's the number, and it's got to be all cash. And uh, man, it was just an absolute windfall for us. I mean, I, I we couldn't have been luckier on what happened. Wow, wow, what that's a that that's a great story. Um, let me ask you: you you've had obviously we've listened to it some of it today, and and you've been um, conservative in in your success business-wise in terms of there's a lot more stories that we could we could tell about you. Uh, but you had a very successful and, and impactful business career, and you've also been very active in the philanthropic community, and you've had an opportunity to meet some interesting and successful and influential people. Who, who are two people maybe that just kind of come to mind that really had the biggest impact on you? God, well, there's it, a lot more than two, but... Um... And I'll tell you, I had great, wonderful football coaches. And uh, Graham Hickson at Gainesville, who went on to championship at, when he was at Woodward. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, Humpy Haywood up at Baylor. And, and then, uh, and then uh, um, uh, Bobby Dodd. And then Homer Rice. And then in business, uh, 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 my own dad, and then uh, Ted Turner, and then Charlie Loudermilk. I I would have to say Ted and uh, and Ch and Charlie Loudermilk would be two of the people that I and I and uh, and I tell young people this. Boy, if you can, you one of the great things in life is to cult cultivate mentors because and. And the amazing thing is mentors don't look for you to mentor. You have to seek them out and then, uh, and try to learn things from them. And what I also learned is that men who have great strengths also have great weaknesses. And you have to be smart enough to pick out the things you want to emulate and the things you don't. That's, that is a great observation. I haven't thought about that before, but you're, you're exactly right. I, one of the questions I was going to ask you is if you were advising a young person beginning their career, what would you share with them? And you just uh, kind of went ahead and, and did that. Uh, well, do you know, they, they, the, um, about uh, when I was 
I don't know, 70. Now I'm 80. But when I was 70, I wrote my, my, my one of my children asked me, Dad, you're always telling us all these things about what we ought to do and, you know, your successes and failures in life. But I just can't remember them all. Why don't you write it down? And I thought, God, you know, I thought, all right, I will. Well, then I walked off. Well, later I started thinking, man, what an honor for one of my kids to ask, actually ask me for something. So I spent some time and wrote my three children a letter and I, and, and, and talked about, you know, my, my faith in God and, and, and my setting goals and having values and, and perfecting the sales process and cultivating mentors and and perfecting public speaking and creative writing, which are the only two things you you ever use, and having persistence in your life and being able to tell a story and uh, and 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 use humor because that's the only things people remember. And 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 you know, so I did. I was so proud of myself, and I wrote them this letter. Well, my mother, who just died this summer at almost 111, uh, uh, I, I, I drove to Gainesville for 21 years every Sunday to to see her. And she would, and I bitched and moaned going up there, and nobody would ever go with me. So, and it's a long, you know, drive up there and then spend time with her and drive back. And I would. I would wonder, I'd say, why am I doing this going up there? And I would get there and she was so happy to see me that I would just tease her for an hour. And then I would laugh all the way home. And what I learned from her in those visits was three things that I didn't even put in my letter. And the first one is optimism. She was the world's greatest optimist. Unbelievable. I mean, it was, and I think it's one of the greatest human traits. And the second one was gratefulness. She was so happy and grateful for what she had. And the third one was forgiveness. She never carried a grudge ever. She just couldn't fathom carrying a grudge against somebody. So anyway, I heard one time that carrying a grudge is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's way more than you wanted to hear, but but uh, I, I'm just fascinated with what with it. it I, I'm I'm 70 and I think I know everything, and then I'm 80 and I learned these three things that I didn't even know. You know, I think you need to publish that letter. I think that, that yeah. needs to that needs to get in the hands of more people than just your <laughs> children. Uh, yeah. I, I do a I do a monthly uh, I guess you call it a blog called Ideals Moments for our ideal students that have 1,100 or so that have gone through our program and and uh, I wrote my first book during the pandemic but I've been writing my second book one month at a time because I'm co- collecting these over the last 12 years and I'm going to publish it and I was originally going to give it to my grandkids and call it Papa's Proverbs. And it's just, it's things like what you're just talking about that, you know, some of it I've written so much other people's articles and, you know, there's just so much knowledge out there that young people don't tap into because they think they already know everything. So I hope that, uh, I hope we have a broad audience for this particular interview so that they hear uh, your, your wise counsel there. 
Oh, I don't know, but I'll send you a copy of my letter if you're if you're interested in it. I would it. love it. I would love yeah. it. Well, Charles, it's been a been a real treat having you with us today. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you carving out time and and sharing your experiences with us. You really shared some some great insights, and I know our audience is uh, is going to benefit greatly from this. So, thank you so much for for well, being with us, Charles. I, you're so welcome. I'm humbled that you would honor me by talking with me, and I appreciate it very much. And good luck, Jack. Thank you, Charles. Well, listen, we hope everyone will be back with us next week for our next guest. And until then, make it your goal this week to be a positive influence in the lives of others. Hey, before you go, we wanted to let you know about Jack's book called The Question, a guide to answering life's most important question. In this book, Jack shares his personal journey that began in 1993 to determine the values, principles, and beliefs that would guide his life. Whether you are a spouse, parent, grandparent, friend, leader, educator, coach, or mentor, Jack's I Believe statements apply to all the roles he has played during his lifetime and can do the same for you. Jack's message applies to all people, ages, and careers. It's an easy read with compelling stories, enjoyable humor, and sincere transparency. The question is now available in ebook and paperback exclusively on Amazon. Go to jackwwilliams.com slash the question to learn more and buy your copy today. Again, thanks for joining us for this episode and join us next week for an all new episode of Knowledge Cast by Ideals.